North Korea, in its latest missile provocation, launched an intercontinental ballistic missile, sparking global concerns and prompting that UN Security Council meeting. It piles onto a seemingly endless series of missile launches this year. So let's talk a little bit more about the Hermit Kingdom and its continued weapons testing. We're joined by Dr. Pung Young-shik, a research fellow at Yonsei University Institute for North Korean Studies. Good morning, Dr. Pong. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, clearly making headlines is the results of the recent UN Security Council meeting, which we'll get to in just a moment. But first about the ICBM. North Korea launched its ICBM, the Hwasong-17, on Friday. Kim Jong-un touted it as, as another reliable and maximum capacity weapon to contain U.S. military threats. Was the launch a complete success? As an expert, how do you assess the North's advancement in its ICBM development program? I would say that this time the ICBM test uh, can be qualified as a small success, but not a complete one. I'm going to explain you uh, the details about this assessment. But uh, you know, for a rocket to be qualified as an intercontinental ballistic missile, it has to have the minimum range of uh, 5,500 kilometers. Uh, between your launch pad and the target. Why uh, at least 5,500 kilometers? It is the uh, average distance between major cities in the former Soviet Union and the United States during the Cold War. So any nuclear power to uh, attain uh, reliable nuclear deterrence capability, mm. the country has to have an ICBM that can hit the target in a distance at least uh, uh, 5,500 kilometers. Uh, it seems like the Hwasong series, the name of North Korea's intercontinental ballistic missile, uh, has acquired the required range. Um, the uh, most recent uh, ICBM test, uh, just a few days ago, uh, on the 18th of November, is the third one uh, this year. And uh, it seems like this time, North Korea has compensated for the shortcomings that uh, must have been observed by the armed forces and scientists uh, for the previous two ICBM tests, Hwasong-17 mm. uh, on March 24th and another one, uh, 3rd of November. Um, in order for ICBM to uh, be successful, uh, then not only it has to have the uh, distance, but also speed. Mm. Uh, for instance, the ICBM test on March 24th was a failure. Uh, citizens in Pyongyang suffered from the debris coming from the uh, destroyed the ICBM in the mid-air. And the second ICBM test on the 3rd of November was another failure. Although the ICBM succeeded in separating the uh, first two parts of the ICBM, but because of the lack of propelling power, which must be at least Mach uh, 20 or 25, mm. But uh, it was only a uh, Mach 15, according to South Korean military analysis. Mm. It lacked the speed to propel the third and last part of the rocket uh, to the uh, you know stratosphere. Mm. Uh, so uh, the missile kind of died out uh, in the midair. Mm. But this time, the ICBM test on the 18th succeeded in having the distance and the height. The altitude was estimated uh, by the Japanese military agency uh, as uh, 6,100 kilometers mm. uh, in the air, and the speed was estimated to be Mach 22. 
and the distance was uh, at least 1,000 kilometers. So when you combine the altitude and distance, right. then you can estimate that the ICBM, the Hwasang-17 test fire this time, would reach uh, at least uh, uh, 15,000 kilometers, which is uh, long enough to cover uh, major cities inside the United States. Mm. But so why would you deem it a small success then? Uh, there was this tech that was uh, relatively new to me, the atmospheric re-entry tech. Were they not able to accomplish that end? Yeah, you just walk into my trap. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew you were going to ask the questions, <laughs> right? Hwasang-17 uh, achieved the, uh, the height, right? Altitude and speed. Mm. But you have to remember that the test was conducted in an extremely controlled environment. Mm. In order for ICBM to be actually deployed uh, in the real battle situation, mm. uh, it has to have the capability to go beyond the atmosphere, like Superman, right? <laughs> and in the very uh, wide angle, like 20 to 25 degrees, okay. not almost 90 degrees of the you know, extreme angle that has been used for the ICM test by North Korea so far, right? Mm. Why North Korea has not uh, conducted the test with uh, the, the, the wide angle, like uh, 20 to 25 uh, degrees mm -hmm. uh, so far, because of the fear of uh, failure. If North Korea launched the ICBM in the uh, low arc, then if something happened, then the debris may hit the part of Japan. Mm or uh, Hawaii, then it will be disastrous to North Korea. So, so far, North Korea has been focused on testing the propelling power of Hwasang-17. Mm. But when you fire the ICBM in wide angle, mm. then you have to overcome two technological obstacles at least. One, when you uh, fire the missile in wide angle, you will be coming back to atmosphere in a wide angle as well. You know, considering the shape of Earth as mm -hmm. a round, right. then uh, if, if the rocket does not have the strong propelling power, then the missile would fail to penetrate into the atmosphere. Mm. It might be deflected in the universe. It may enter into the atmosphere, but the second obstacle must be overcome, which is your missile must be able to overcome extremely high heat and extreme friction. Mm -hmm. And there's no evidence that North Korea has mastered those two technological you know, obstacles so far. So tell your parents that um, don't tell them not to worry about you, you know, hit by North Korean ICBM yet. <laughs> They, they still have major hurdles to break through. In fact, uh, major testings have yet to be conducted and fear of failure and having further provocations. Right. Another another technical obstacle that North Korea needs to overcome, if I may add, is the uh, extremely heavy weight of the payload, which will be top on the tip of the ICBM. More payload, uh, you know, bigger number of nuclear warheads top on the ICBM means that less distance. Mm. Heavier, so, less so right, heavier. Right. So, I mean, if North Korea is going to top the actual nuclear warhead on the ICBM, then we have to see whether the missile will still attain the necessary distance. Mm. Yet we're still getting concerning news out of the Hermit Kingdom. Um, while overseeing the launch of Hwasang-17, uh, Kim Jong-un called on ICBM unit and tactical nuclear weapon operation units to beef up training 
to be able to successfully conduct their strategic duties at any given time. Now, every time Kim Jong-un makes an appearance, anytime he uses a term for the first time on record, it raises sort of a big red flag for us. How long until North Korea's ICBM and the ICBM unit can be deployed in the field? Well, ICBM uh, mm-hmm. unit and the Technical Nuclear Weapons Units of North Korea have been already on deployment. And as a matter of fact, when South Korean military and the U.S. forces in South Korea were busy conducting joint uh, air exercise dubbed as a, a vigilant storm, mm-hmm. uh, Kim Jong-un was in the hiding, but at the same time, he made a free visits to the seven units of the Technical Nuclear Weapons of North Korea. Mm. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about this, but uh, he also uh, brought, uh, brought up uh, his daughter uh, to the site of the recent ICBM test. Mm. Why? Why did he bring uh, one of uh, his children uh, mm. to the ICBM test site? A lot of uh, different interpretations can be made, mm. but I think the biggest reason is to demonstrate to North Korean people and the rest of the world that North Korea will never relent. North Korea will continue to pursue the mastery of nuclear missiles, mm. even if uh, something negative might have happened to him in terms of deca- decapitation of the supreme leadership of North Korea. Mm. By showing his daughter, then mm. Kim Jong-un uh, must have wanted to send a clear message to the world that if I die, then our children will inherit the mm-hmm. project and we will continue to develop our nuclear weapons. So there is no chance for North Korea to ever give up nuclear weapons. Mm. Is that the only interpretation? Because this was the first time we were getting a, an, a, an appearance out in public, that is, hand in hand, Kim Jong-un with his daughter. Uh, is there any other motive behind Kim Jong-un bringing his own daughter to the ICBM test site? Of course, uh, there might have been some uh, secondary uh, motivations behind Mm -hmm. this decision, but I think this is the uh, most likely motivation for Kim Jong-un because uh, some people argue that this can be also interpreted as him intending to show the world about the succession process Mm. uh, with uh, one of his children. But if that was the primary motive for Kim Mm Jong-un, then it should have been his son, not his daughter, considering that North Korean system is extremely patriarchal and Confucian. So Mm -hmm. eldest son, uh, he must be the most likely successor. Okay, so that could be interpreted differently too. Then why didn't he bring his son, his daughter instead? Did he not want to unveil uh, for security purposes, right? Definitely, right. Uh, For security purposes, and it must be too premature to... Uh, officially declare uh, who mm. is actually heir apparent. Mm. Then the heir apparent, the officially designated uh, uh, prince, uh, must be great deal of scrutiny and uh, will be exposed to various kinds of dangers. Mm. And you have to remember that uh, uh, his grandfather, Kim Il-sung, and his father, Kim Jong-il, like to send their children uh, to abroad, uh, mm. like uh, schools in the Switzerland. Kim Jong-un himself was educated in the Switzerland. But unlike uh, his grandfather and his father, Kim Jong-un decided not to send their kids to you know, foreign uh, countries for education. Mm. That's something that's clearly a different approach than his predecessor and his also grandfather Maybe, too. Maybe uh, and Kim Jong-un must have realized that it is way too expensive to send their kids to boarding <laughs> schools in the Switzerland. <laughs> Even it's for... very tough, tough, tough time for any average 
parents with children in the you know, <laughs> high education. Even, even the leader of a hermit kingdom. <laughs> right. Uh, setting the jokes aside, I, I do want to get to the results of the UN Security Council meeting uh, that again ended without a resolution as China and Russia expectedly place blame on the U.S. for heightened regional tensions. The South Korean ambassador to the UN, Hong jun also made a bold statement that the council's uh, inaction... Okay. It, right. Well, tell, tell me... Tell me something new. Tell me something that I didn't expect. <laughs> you know, it might it might be new for some of our listeners, but we're right. If you're a regular and if you have listened to a segment before, it's sort of a repeated rhetoric. Uh, but how do you assess the outcome of the meeting besides it being very predictable? Not surprising. Uh, as I told you in my previous appearance about two months ago, that uh, I warned you that the North Korea would continue to conduct uh, various sorts of missile tests because uh, North Korea needs to send very strong message to the world, but at the same time, North Korea needs all these tests to accomplish the goal of the midterm, uh, you know, military modernization project announced in the Eighth Party Congress in January 2021. So until North Korea uh, will have achieved the, uh, you know, mastery of the five major, uh, you know, weapon systems, uh, North Korea needs to conduct, you know, tests, Mm. you know. And I also told you that the United Nations Security Council would not do anything mm. because of the exercise of veto powers by two permanent members, right. China and Russia. Ru- China, uh, during the ASEAN Plus Three Summit meeting, uh, repeated the you know its uh, long-standing position that uh, the related parties must uh, take into serious account the uh, legitimate security concern of North Korea. So North Korea's development of nuclear weapons and missile must be uh, understood as North Korea's exercise of self-defense. So again, uh, China and Russia opposed any adoption of new resolutions on North Korea. Mm. And it is not surprising to you know, South Korea, Japan, and the United States. Mm. So these three countries do not wage any high hope on what the United Nations Security Council would do mm. in terms of punishing North Korea with you know, violation of existing United Nations Security Council resolutions on mm. North Korea. So mm. they instead pursue independent path, uh, like uh, uh, their own independent uh, economic sanctions on North Korea. Mm. Going back to that very end goal of master five levels of weapons for North Korea, they won't stop until they've actually come through with all the projections. And North Korea's unprecedented levels of missile provocations are clearly uh, interpreted as a prelude to its seventh nuclear test. We've been talking about the impending schedule for months, it seems. And what appears to be a successful launch of its ICBM, Song experts say maybe, maybe the time has come. It's imminent. Are we seeing increased activities around its main nuclear test site? And when do you expect the nuclear test to come? Um, it will be very uh, erroneous to make a prediction based upon physical dates on the calendar. Mm. Uh, the decision would be made uh, in due consideration of political circumstances and uh, increasing need for the regime to do something in response to increasing levels of the security cooperation among U.S., Japan, and South Korea, especially the uh, 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 you know, supply of enhanced uh, extended nuclear deterrence uh, by the United States for South Korea. 
it's like uh, playing a chicken game. If mm -hmm. North Korea, uh, you know, commits a, a military provocation and push the uh, the level of you know military tension on the Korean Peninsula uh, by one notch, then South Korea and the United States will respond uh, by increasing the level of their security cooperation and especially extended nuclear deterrence of the United States by one level. It's a proportional response uh, by both North Korea on one hand and the United States and South Korea on the other. And so far, neither side is going to back down. Mm. They're playing chicken game. And the North Korea appears to have only one last strategic card to engage in this chicken game against the United States and South Korea, which is, as you mentioned, another nuclear test, which will be the seventh mm -hmm. nuclear test. Um, please pay attention to uh, who uh, is going to make the next statement in protest and criticism of United States as a warmonger, uh, dangerously escalating tension and the risk of accidental military conflict on the Korean Peninsula. So far, the statement to protest joint military exercises between South Korea and United States was the founding father of North Korea missile, General Park Jong-chun. Mm. And now we had a statement issued under the name of the point man or point woman mm. of North Korea's diplomacy toward the United States, mm. Madam Choi Son-hee, Foreign mm. Minister Choi Son-hee. So that means that North Korea is left with two higher authorities to make new announcement. The one is Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un, but Supreme Leader, like a Pope in the Vatican City, is not supposed to issue any statement. Mm. So we only have Kim Yo-jong, the biological sister of Kim Jong-un, number two uh, figure in North Korea's system. If Kim Yo-jong is going to say something in the form of official statement, that will be the uh, harbinger of North Korea conducting the seventh nuclear test. All right, so we'll be on the lookout for the second highest in power in North Korea, Kim Yo-jong, when and if she does make a statement. And that should be sort of a gauge as to when that, that impending nuclear test might unfold. Thank you very much, Dr. Bong, for an insightful conversation. I can see that you're full of jokes this morning. We appreciate oh. the candor. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you again very soon. Definitely. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.